Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Coming up, Phil Savage. We're going to talk about something I think is going to be interesting. It's the Alliance of American Football. And then in the final half hour, Dennis Dodd put together his list of those who are on the hot seat and those that are in good shape. All 129 coaches. By the way, there were 11 that were untouchable. They get a zero. Dabo Sweeney, um, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, David Shaw were the untouchables. The ones that are no issues, great shape, James Franklin was in that group. But we're going to go through it. Some of the interesting names on there and where he thinks they stand. We'll do that in the final half hour. France has won. They beat Belgium 1-0. First World Cup final for France since 2006. England and Croatia play tomorrow. Play-by-play call today. We know what Aaron Nola is like on the mound. He has been brilliant. He has been an absolute number one and ace. Yesterday, he backed it up at the plate. Here's the pitch. Swung on, line down the right field line, and that ball is going to be in for a base hit and go to the corner. Santana scores. Altair scores. Franco coming around third. The relay is not in time. Nola clears him off. It's a three-run double. How about that? Three-nothing Phillies. First hit of the game off Nola's bat. And he cleans him off. Well, it's amazing. It's rare, but it's amazing when it happened. Rick Porcello of the Red Sox did it last week against Washington, which was even more amazing. Porcello never hits. At least Nola gets out and hits once in a while. And not only that, Porcello got his off Max Shearzer. I thought Shearzer was going to go and he was going to take every bat and throw it out of the dugout. He was so mad. So Nola backed up his pitching with his hitting. Yes, on the promo, I said they'd beat the Mets twice. I did say that. I'd say it again. (laughs) The Mets are not good. The Phillies are good. Phillies, by the way, R.J. Anderson reporting one of seven teams in the running for Manny Machado, but in order, they're ranked number five right now on offer. Okay, seven teams. Dodgers appear to be number one. Phillies were listed at number five in terms of offer. For Manny Machado. All right. Phil Savage. I hate to say that Phil is going to be giving up his run on the Alabama radio network with Eli Gold uh, because he's going to be a general manager in the Alliance of American Football. Uh, But it's great to have him with us. And uh, sorry to hear that, Phil, but it's great to have you on board with us. We're doing well, guys. Hope hope you're doing well also. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to 
being part of the Alliance Phoenix with my good friend Rick Neuheisel. We worked together at UCLA back in 1990, so uh, you can go home again, I guess. I guess you can, and uh, the the one downside, at least from us for us professionally, is that you know because this will be an all-consuming job, you won't be able to do Alabama games anymore, and you were one of the top five analysts in the country, in my opinion. Well, I really appreciate that. I I had the the initial intention was going I was going to try to do the the Bama radio broadcast but we had our first ever league meetings uh, 2 weeks ago before the 4th of July holiday week uh, for the alliance and as we were sitting there and they start laying out dates and responsibilities and there were some real conflicts that were starting to bubble up and, and come to the surface in terms of trying to do both uh, as an example you know, Bama's first game, as is most of the countries, is September 1st. That's a Saturday. That's the, the major cut-down day for the NFL. That's going to be a huge 72-hour time frame for us in the Alliance because we will be signing a lot of those players that get released and don't find work uh, in the NFL. So uh, I'm disappointed not to be able to continue, but at the same time uh, feel so fortunate and uh, blessed to have been able to do it for nine seasons. I mean, in reality, I think when I took that job in 2009, everyone thought it would be a one-season sort of a placeholder-type role for both the network and myself, and it ended up being nine games, nine years, 125 games. Uh, Bama won 113 of those contests, <laughs> uh, five national titles. I wrote a book about it, and so it ended up being an experience that I – I did not anticipate happening, but uh, man, I, I really enjoy doing it. You always, though, have—I mean, you know, personnel has always been, you know, what you've really enjoyed, and it, the Senior Bowl did some of that for you. As a matter of the ability to go out and find talent, you found talent and had help in doing it. Is that what the lure of doing the Alliance is? Because it gets you back to what Phil Savage has always been. Uh, I think the the lure for the alliance, honestly, is the people involved. Uh, When Bill Polian, the Hall of Fame general manager, uh, reaches out to you and says, hey, I want you to be one of the GMs of of one of only eight teams, uh, that gets your attention. Uh, The more we talked, the more that we kind of got into it, what the league was going to represent, uh, the time frame of the league, February, uh, March, and April, which will fit perfectly uh, with the NFL calendar for players to come to our league, practice and play, get more game experience physically and emotionally mature a bit more before they get another crack at the NFL. I thought that was important. And then, honestly, you look at the way the landscape is in football right now. High school, there are limitations for the practices uh, in the spring and training camp. Same is true at the college level. And now with the CBA in place in the in the NFL, uh, you can't walk a defensive back out onto your uh, practice facility in February or March and work with him. And so there's really a lack of development at all levels of the sport. We feel like this is a league that will be able to, to fill that niche and, and give even more players an opportunity to make a living uh, in the game. So those are kind of the three main things that, that drew me to it. Uh, the other piece of it that, that I've always enjoyed is 
Uh, obviously, this will be a league of second, third, perhaps even fourth chances for, for players. Yep. But I think it will be first opportunity for coaches, for scouts, for game announcers, for uh, offici- officials, uh, all sorts of people uh, that will make their first ever uh, foray into professional football. And, and I would venture to say that like the USFL and, and NFL Europe and, and hopefully with this alliance, you're going to see a lot of people involved in this league that four, five, six years from now will be uh, mainstays in the NFL. Yeah, I think we saw that obviously in the USFL left and right between coaches, executives, players. They all got to the NFL, and many ended up being impact guys among the top guys in that in the USFL at the time. Uh, Bill Polian, they've kept it to eight teams. How smart was that just to make sure it was eight to give everybody the best chance to succeed? Well, I think that the idea is really smart in, in terms of this way. In regards to the way that the players will be split up and allocated, they're, they're putting together a, a really unique formula for how the players will be dispersed and, and who will be available for the clubs to sign. And, you know, you think about it, there's eight CFL teams. There's eight alliance teams, so there can be an affiliation there, so to speak, in terms of organization, not a formal affiliation, but uh, to, to get organized. And then eight teams in the alliance. There's 32 in the NFL. So, you know, four, four teams or four organizations per alliance club uh, could be a, a, a funnel, so to speak, to our league. All of that is being worked out and, and put together. Uh, in written form and will be released, I'm assuming, in the next few weeks so that people will understand exactly what's going on. But uh, eight should be a, a real nice balance. They'll have four teams in the west, four teams in the east. Uh, there will be ten games. And, of course, there will be a, a, a an abbreviated playoff schedule with the championship game to be played the Sunday after the conclusion of the NFL draft on that Saturday in late April. There's also interesting rules with this. Uh, no extra points, two-point conversions. No kickoffs. Everything starts at the 25, so it looks like the spring game at Alabama or Penn State. Uh, same story with touchbacks out to the 25. And then instead of an onside kick, you put the ball at the 35, you gain 10, you keep it. If you don't, they get the ball. Do you see this as a window as to what pro football might look like five years from now i think there will definitely be uh people paying attention to how some of these rule modifications play out one thing that i would add to this conversation is that from an alliance standpoint the medical care and and overall wellness and health of the players is going to be at a premium to the point that I think it's going to be almost uh, groundbreaking in terms of how the alliance is going to handle the players uh, from a from a medical standpoint on and off the field. So I think it's going to be a real unique opportunity to advance the game in a real positive way uh, in that regard. The other element of the alliance that is going to be pretty unique, I think, is some of the technology available for the fans in regards to fantasy football, in regards to now the, the legislation that is going to allow gaming, uh, I think that's going to be a huge draw for fans because it's going to be uh, so forward-thinking in regards in comparison to other leagues uh, that are out there. So 
I think the alliance, while uh, yes, it could be somewhat of a testing ground on certain things. I, I think the leadership with Charlie Ebersol and Bill and J.K. McKay, you know, I think they want to really push the the envelope and and move the game forward, modernize the game uh, for the for the benefit of everybody involved at all levels of the sport, whether it's the NFL, college football, high school, uh, even youth football. Uh, you mentioned the medical part, Phil. Uh, I'll expand upon that. Outside organizations are going to be the ones that are going to handle head safety protocols. How important was that for the integrity of what happens on the field? Yeah, you know, some of this is above my pay grade, but <laughs> I do think that I do think that the alliance will have a very, you know, different approach to, you know, the the health and benefit of the players. It, in some ways, it will be, you know, taken out of the hands of of the coaches and the GMs, uh, and obviously the trainer and the and the and the uh, doctor, the team doctor. You know, those the way we understand it will ultimately be employed by the league uh, rather than by the the individual clubs, if you will. So, uh, again, they only told us some of the, the generalities of this, uh, but again, they they the the theme is players, fans. And the game, and that's sort of the the underlying uh, focus points of the alliance: the players, the fans, and the game. And, and I think you know that that's the reason, at least from the way I understand it, maybe for the for the name of the league being the alliance. September first, you mentioned the cut down day. So, how do you handle the upcoming? Uh, end of July, month of August, to start getting a read on who might be near that cut-down line and, and get a good read on which players, if they're, they're cut, you know what they can and can't do. Yeah, it's going to be an extremely busy month of August. Uh, I'm, I would assume that all of the GMs will be out uh, scouring the NFL camps, uh, attending preseason games, uh, trying to at least get uh, a picture, a live visual exposure that we think will ultimately be available to us. You know, right now there, there's the 90-man rosters. Uh, that ultimate down to 53 active, 10 practice squad, and a, and a few guys on injured reserve. So let's call it 65 to 70 players mm-hmm. draw a paycheck from the league. That means that 20 to 25 players uh, times 32 teams will be available out there. So you're looking at a pool of probably six to 700 players. And I would venture to guess, see that 80% of the Alliance League will come from that pool of talent uh, that just, you know, needs more incubation time, needs more adjustment time from the college to the pro game. And that's where uh, the coaches and, and the staffs are really going to come into play for the Alliance as, as they try to get guys ready for a second or third opportunity at the NFL level. How exciting is it for you to put something together from scratch? Well, I can tell you that it was uh, really a, a unique experience and, and one that, that you know, is seared in my mind. A few weeks ago when we were in San Francisco, there were 25 of us in a singular room, uh, the eight GMs and then 17 league officials, attorneys, and the like. And, you know, all of this was just a thought. It was an idea in, in Charlie Ebersol's mind, he reached out to Bill Polian. Bill Polian said, you know, I think you're on to something. And so to see all of this come to life is really exciting. 
uh, I think back to 1920 when that group of of, uh, <laughs> of owners met in Canton, Ohio. At a car dealership. What, yeah, at the car dealership and forged what became uh, the National Football League. Uh, I don't know that the AAF is going to make that kind of impact, but I do think there, there were 470 years of NFL experience in that room. And I do think that the Alliance is going to offer some answers and solutions to some of the problems and issues that are plaguing the sport right now. And hopefully we're going to be aggressive and, and smart enough to, to be able to resolve some things that will be able to propel the sport into the future. And finally, can you sense that the, the spring is a time of the year where there's still a lot of people saying, I still want football? Well, the, the gamble that the alliance is making and in the, in the investors and the leadership is the fact that 150 million people watch the Super Bowl, and their estimation is that half of those people turn their TV sets off and really don't turn sports on again until the following football season. And so their idea is, that, is to capture a certain percentage of that, of that group with 10 games in the spring. And again, because of the fantasy element of football, uh, the gaming element that will now be available uh, above the table, so to speak, uh, they think that this is really going to attract a lot of people uh, to tune in and watch either on television. CBS Sports has the TV contract yep. and or on their uh, you know, handheld devices with the streaming content that will be out there as well. Phil, always a pleasure. I wish you nothing but the best with this, and obviously along the way we'd love to keep in touch with you to see how it's going because I think this is a great venture. Well, I really appreciate it, Steve. I'm, again, very enthusiastic about it. It's going to take a lot of work to get it off the ground, but uh, I do think the Alliance can make a a real significant impact on the sport, and and especially uh, being that bridge between college and pro for a lot of players that deserve to be Uh, in the NFL. Completely agree. Phil, thanks so much, and best of luck with this. Man, I really appreciate it, Steve, and uh, let's definitely stay in touch, and uh, we'll we'll do that. Phil Savage, the general manager of the Phoenix franchise, uh, head coach Rick Neuheisel, with the Alliance of American Football. I wanted to get that out there because he's right. That last part was the critical part that I think needs to be understood. It is the bridge for those who didn't make the NFL this past season or the ones that won't make it in this training camp, right? To then, when it's over, still have an opportunity to then show in practical application what they can do. This could be, for those who have looked at Christian Hackenberg's career, this could be the bridge for him as an example. As an example. There'll be eight franchises. They'll start playing first uh, Sunday after the Super Bowl. And as you mentioned, Bill Polian's one of those in charge. Normally when Bill Polian is in charge of something, that is a good sign for success. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I mentioned on the show Friday that Maryland had to respond to a couple of subpoenas. One dealing with a recruit who ended up at Kansas and the other dealing with Diamond Stone. Well, now Kansas, this is where DeSilvio ended up going. And Kansas is an Adidas school, uh, Silvio D'Souza. And he ended up going to an Adidas school. Maryland, of course, is Under Armour. And Sylvia D'Souza and Billy Preston are at the center of this at Kansas. And Kansas has been hit with subpoenas in connection with the FBI investigation. We're going to have a reporter on that covers Maryland from the Washington Post on Friday's show to talk about this. So that story is still very much alive. Hot seat ratings for coaches. Dennis Dodd says that there are six coaches that are win or be fired. Ten start improving now. That's a four. Pressure is mounting, 19-3. All good for now, 42 of them. They get a two rating. One safe and secure, 41 get that rating, including James Franklin. And... 11 are in the untouchable category. Stunningly, that includes Nick Saban. <laughs> That's quite a run. That we, you, know, you heard Phil Savage, because Phil was the analyst on the Alabama Network for years. And, I mean, 125 games, what did he say? They lost 12? Was that the number, Sean? Pretty, pretty good. Not too shabby. So here's Dennis's list of, and you know, I'm never crazy about these lists, but oh, what the heck, it's July, so let's just do it. Have some fun with it. Six coaches received the dreaded five. Now, in each of the last two years, there were two. Now there are six. All right. Let's see. Uh, Nick Saban, untouchable. Kevin Sumlin gets a two, which means he's okay. Herm Edwards, though, gets a three. See, I find that interesting. He hasn't coached a game yet. Hasn't coached a game yet. And he gets a rating of pressure is mounting. <laughs> pressure is mounting. Well, with memos and the press conference that uh, that he held within the first week or two of taking over that team at that campus, there's a lot of people just getting a lot of weird vibes from, from Arizona State. Of course. But at Arizona, Kevin Sumlin gets a two, which means uh, he is he's safe for now. He hasn't coached the game there either. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matt Rule of State College. 
State College's Matt Rule gets a two, safe for now. Steve Adazio gets a three, better start winning at Boston College. I'll see. Dabo Sweeney. Untouchable. I know that's surprising. Untouchable. Uh, Let's see. Mike McIntyre. Now, remember, Mike McIntyre, he's had one great year at Colorado. A great year. He got them to the Pac-12 championship game where they lost to Washington the year Washington went to the college football playoff. He got a four. Start improving now. Because he's only had the one good year there. Colorado's not an easy job. Uh, Let's see. Mike Bobo. Colorado State got a three. All right, better still kick it into gear. David Cutcliffe gets a one at Duke. Safe and sound. Butch Davis gets a one. FIU, safe and sound. Dan Mullen, of course, just took the Florida job. I would hope you're okay if you just started. Lane Kiffin, your buddy, gets a one. Willie Taggart at Florida State. Got a more cautious safe for now. Didn't coach the game here yet, but he got a two. Kirby Smart, untouchable at Georgia. Paul Johnson, better start winning a three at Georgia Tech. Uh, Lovey Smith, Illinois. Win or go, he gets a five. Tom Allen at, at Indiana. Okay, safe for now. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa gets a safe and sound. He gets a one. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, safe and sound. He gets a one. David Beatty at Kansas. They're 3-33. and 33. Guess what he got? He got a five. Better win or gone. Bill Snyder at Kansas State, safe and sound. He got a one. Mark Stoops at Kentucky, though, got a four. Trouble. Bobby Petrino at Louisville, got a two. Safe for now. Ed Orgeron. At LSU. What do you think Ed Orgeron at LSU got? I'll say, um, this may surprise some people. I'll say three. He got a four. Really? Start improving now. He got a four. How about that? For some reason, LSU, there just feels like there's built-in pressure to that gig. I mean, there's a certain list of college head football coaches where it just seems like there's extra pressure built in before you yeah. even get into the door well, and and, First of all, and lock in and, and turn it into your program. Their opinion of themselves is exponentially higher than the rest of the countries. <laughs> okay, in my opinion, like okay, just slow down. Okay? okay, I'm not alone. Okay, yeah. DJ Durkin at Maryland gets a three. All right. Okay. Getting a little lukewarm there. Mark Rick to one. Safe and sound at Miami. Jim Harbaugh got a two. Safe for now. Mark D'Antonio got a one. Okay. Safe and sound. P.J. Fleck, safe for now. He got a two. Joe Moorhead obviously gets a one. He hasn't, you know, hadn't coached the game yet. Uh, Ken Niamatololo at Navy gets a one. Safe and sound. Scott Frost, Nebraska, untouchable. He got a zero. 
Bob Davy at New Mexico, former Notre Dame coach, got a five. Win or go. Larry Fedora, three, getting a little warm. Pat Fitzgerald, untouchable, Northwestern, 12 years. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. What do you think Brian Kelly got? Um, I want to say four, but that may be too high. He got a two. Mm. Safe for now. Last year he had a five. Last year he had a five, and he won. Uh, Frank Solich at Ohio University, no problem. He got a one. Urban Meyer, zero, untouchable. Lincoln Riley got a one, safe and sound. Mike Gundy got a one, safe and sound at Oklahoma State. Uh, let's see. James Franklin got a one, safe and sound. Pat Narduzzi got a two, safe for now. He was in the one category last year. Now it's a two. Uh, Jeff Brom at Purdue. Got a one. Safe and sound. Chris Ash at Rutgers got a four. He was a one last year. Safe and sound. Now he's a four. So the pressure's really on for him. Uh, Rocky Long, San Diego State, got a two. Safe for now. Uh, Will Muschamp, a two at South Carolina. Safe for now. Charlie Strong at South Florida got a one. Safe and sound. David Shaw, Stanford. What do you think David Shaw got? I'd say either zero or one. Zero, untouchable. Yeah, he does he great. Be- he does, he does great work too on NFL Network on draft oh, night. I'm, I know David Shaw's first class all the way. Yep. Dino Babers, Syracuse got a two, safe for now. Gary Patterson, TCU, untouchable. Zero. Jeff Collins at Temple gets a two, safe for now. He was a one last year. Jeremy Pruitt starts out at Tennessee as a two. Safe for now. Tom Herman, Texas, gets a two. He was a one last year, but he's still safe for now. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, safe and sound. Gets a one. Cliff Kingsbury of Texas Tech, a four. In other words, you need to kick it into another gear. I mean, Kingsbury's a fun guy. As a wild offense, defense is something you have to play because the rules say you have to. (laughs) At last check. Uh, let's see. Um, Josh Heupel starts out at UCF as a one. Chip Kelly is untouchable first year at UCLA. Randy Etzel at UConn. <laughs> he gets a four. He was a two last year. He's four. <laughs> UConn. I mean, Kevin will tell you when Kevin comes on. They're bad. It's a bad job. They, they built a nice, nice little stadium and the whole thing, but still. Uh, ba ba ba. Clay Helton at USC. What do you think Clay Helton at USC is? Uh, I'll say two. You're right. He is a two. Okay. Safe for now. Uh, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. One safe and sound. Derek Mason, who replaced uh, James at Vanderbilt, is uh, going into his fourth year, and he's a three. All right, so he's right in that middle. Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia is a two. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is a one, safe and sound. 
Chris Peterson at Washington. Last year was untouchable. Now is a one safe and sound. That's you know that's no big deal. Mike Leach, safe for now. He gets a two at Washington State. He was a one last year. Dana Holgerson at West Virginia gets a two. Safe for now. Paul Christ at Wisconsin gets a one. Safe and sound. Craig Bowl at Wyoming gets a one. Safe and sound. So those are Dennis Dodd's rankings of head coaches as to where they are on Dennis's list. Well, I can't believe Meyer got untouchable. Man, it's stunning. <laughs> Look, it's the toughest division of football. And, you know, some people will... I had somebody ask me today about the bottom of the East, if the bottom of the East hurts the top. And I said, no, it's it's quite frankly, it's the other way around. Right? No one cares about the bottom of your your league or your division. Nobody cares about that if the top is really strong because you have to play everybody in the top. If you safely negotiate Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, guess what? You're on a track to get into the college football playoff. And it puts you on that track. You're not there yet. You've got to win the other games, too. But the strength of the schedule is accentuated when you have to do that. And what really helps the top of any league, the top of any division, you know what really helps? And it is this has happened in the SEC over and over again. Anytime you change a coach, guess what you are doing as a program? You are starting over. And this has played into Nick Saban's hands for years. He stays, he wins, Auburn changes coaches. Boom, start Gene Chizik, who then becomes Malzahn, and Malzahn's on the hot seat. And the hat goes at LSU. They're in transition. Now it's Orgeron. Who's that help? It helps Saban. Hugh Freeze messed up at, at Old Miss. Helps Saban. Dan Mullen leaves Mississippi State because he goes to Florida, which is the easier side to work from. It helps saving. <laughs> Who do you think it's helping? Now let's go to the Big Ten. Meyer's now been entrenched since 2012 at Ohio State. James has been here since 2014. Harbaugh's been here since 2014. D'Antonio's going into what is 11th, 12th season at Michigan State. Okay, the ones at the bottom are the ones that are changing. Durkin's in his what going into his third year. Ash is going into his third year. Allen's going into his second year. They're the ones that are changing coaches. I mean, Chris has stabilized Wisconsin. Fitzgerald's been there a dozen years at Northwestern. Now you go, okay, now the big change was Scott Frost at Nebraska. They're hoping he's a long-term solution. But again, they're going to have to start over. You don't walk in with a magic wand and go, voila, here we are. It doesn't happen that way. As you know, I've always been someone who has 
emphasized over and over again, you need to give a coach five, six years football basketball to see what the program really looks like under their leadership, where all the players are theirs. What does it look like? Now, there are certain cases, for example, and to me this especially happens, when you hire a coordinator or an assistant coach that has never been a head coach. Some some people are really perfectly suited to be an assistant coach or a coordinator, but for whatever reason are not great head coaches. North Turner is a perfect example of that. He's a heck of a coordinator. As a head coach, he's always been, eh. Some guys, it's just not their style. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for them. You do have to realize that right away. Figure out that, ah, they're head coach. They're, not, they're a little overwhelmed by the CEO part of it. That's why Penn State went out and they, in hiring a head coach like James Franklin, they hired somebody that already had a track record as a head coach. That made all the difference in the world. You could tell right away, organizationally, he knew exactly what he wanted to do and how to get there because he's, he's already been doing it. All right, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks to Phil Savage. We talked about the Alliance of America Football, which is going to serve as a bridge between those who don't make the cut on September 1st in the NFL and give them a second chance and a third chance to show what they can do. There will be, along the way, several Penn State players that are going to be involved in this Alliance of America Football because not all of them are going to make the cut in the NFL. This will give them another chance. And I specifically mentioned earlier, this might be the window of opportunity for Christian Hackenberg. You know, especially if he can work with a guy like Spurrier or New Heisel, two established quarterback guys. I'm just, I'm just floating that idea out there. It's not meant to compete with the NFL. It's to supplement the NFL and the CFL. And I think it's going to give... Guys that play really well, I think it's going to give them an even better chance of making an NFL roster in 2019 after the disappointment of being cut in 2018. Thank Phil for coming on today. That was a that was a fun segment with one of the guys in the business I really really respect. Back tomorrow, looking forward to it. Nick Dunn and company, by the way, have the night off. The Spikes have won seven of their last 11, and Nick's playing well. I get to watch uh, Nick back at Medler Field, Lebron Park, tomorrow night for a six-game homestand. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.